a lot of pastors, a lot of evangelical Christian pastors are teaching something incorrectly. We're being taught that Christianity is merely the opposite of, quote unquote, the culture. But it should not be that way. Because um, I realize my church in particular is doing that. That, okay, if the world is doing something, if the culture is doing something, that we as Christians should be doing the opposite. The problem with that, the huge problem with that, is that that makes the culture a reference point. This is the My Sister Said podcast, and I'm your host, Uche Amaneke. If you know me from my YouTube channel, you know that I'm all about that active faith life. But I also know trusting God with your Sunday through Saturday and your eternity, it takes practice. So in this podcast, I am diving deeper. We are going to be talking about everything from spiritual abuse to a biblical view on twerking. Yes, our faith is not just religion, it's real life. This is what community looks like, people. Um. Hello, it's Uche. Welcome back to my channel and welcome back to my sister said podcast. Thank you for being here. Okay, so today's episode is actually pretty um, important to me because many people who consider themselves conservative um, might face this, might face this kind of dilemma. And I want to address it because I have dear friends, like beautiful, precious friends that I love who consider themselves um, conservative and um, politically. And this is very, it's very, this is very, um, an important topic, right? Um, and this started, um, started during the whole, um, the, uh, summer of 2020 with the whole social justice movement. It was so interesting. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Um, so one of my good friends, she was facing kind of like, she was like, I don't know what to do, especially within seeing the murder of George Floyd and Maude Aubrey and knowing what happened to Breonna Taylor during that summer of 2020. Because, you know, she didn't know if she should post about what was happening in, I mean, about the racial unrest, about the protest, about the injustice that they saw that summer, all those things. Because she was having this emotional reaction to what she saw. And she was worried that her beliefs are being, um, are being influenced by the culture. And she expressed her, you know, hesitancy, felt she said she felt paralyzed. She was like, I don't know. I don't want to just do what everyone else is doing because I feel the pressure to do it. I want to make sure that my decision, my decision is based on Christ and based on my faith and not just because everyone in the culture is doing that. And that was one of the most interesting conversations I had because I loved this girl, especially this one that told me this. Um, I wanted to really be empathetic because I loved her and I got to see, you know, she's, she's legitimately feels paralyzed in that. And I wanted to really respect that about her, really understanding her dilemma, not judging her based on, oh man, you know, I'm your black friend. Like, why don't you do this? How would you not know what's right to do? And da, da, da. Um, because I can say that I'm at that point, especially with regards to like, you know, with um, what's it called? Gen like gender identity and, you know, pronouns and stuff. I'm right. I'm, I'm there, you know, just kind of frozen, not knowing what to do. Okay. And not, and for me, someone who is Hella, just very, very, very aware of how ignorant I can be. I'm just very aware of that. Okay. And how imperfect I can be and how much I get stuff wrong. I am very much in a place where I don't want to pretend like I have the answers just because Christians are doing it one way or conservatives think one way or liberals think one way. I don't want to. And honestly, this is a beautifully Christian place to be, to consider what God wants, not just looking at what everybody else wants. Okay. Let's think that. 
Okay. So that's where I'm going to start this episode. Okay. That, that tension that Christians are in, that believers are in with not wanting to look like the culture, wanting to look like Christ and not knowing what to do when the, you know, seems like everyone is doing something. A majority of people seem to be accepting this type of behavior and accepting this type of, um, moving this direction in, in some certain direction. What Christians are supposed to do with that, right? I'm not going to pretend like I understood this answer beforehand, but I had remembered reading something in God's word, which actually gave me a lot of hope for people who were not believers. It really gave me just hope and just made me like, have a loose thought. I don't know why I did, but I remember just feeling really relieved after reading this part in scripture. And with my creepy ADHD memory, when something affects my emotions, especially to a large degree, I remember it. And so um, let's going to go through that right now. Okay. So that is my friend's, that was my friend's experience with me. And whenever my friend said she faced that dilemma, I had to take a step back. And so to confront this idea, I had to ask myself, man, what are we learning that, you know, what are we learning that someone is paralyzed, has no idea the difference between her beliefs and the culture. And I'll say the culture, because in my church, which is a politically conservative church, which I will say, you know, politically Republican church, you know, most of the ideas that are taught on when they do like election series are fall in line with the Republican talking points on like Fox News and stuff. That's where I go. And, and at my church, at my, my politically conservative church, um, what's referenced as the culture, it's like, oh, the culture does this, the culture does this. It's usually liberal culture, I guess, liberals. Things like, oh, the world, the culture is usually assigned to liberals, what liberals are doing, using the pronouns and, you know, um, socialism and all that stuff. That's what my church has, is talking about. So in some churches who, depending on who's listening to me, some churches are, might be the opposite, right? They might say the culture means, you know, politically conservative and blah, blah, blah. that's the culture, right? Or that's incorrect. That's worldly behavior. And so what's important for me, what was important for me to, you know, digging into this issue about the difference uh, between culture and Christianity was that, um, was understanding that sometimes the culture is right. And I'll explain that in a second. Sometimes the culture is right. Whichever side of the aisle you're on, sometimes the opposite people that you think, oh, are always wrong. No, no. Sometimes they're right. Okay. We have to understand that we have the same creator. Sometimes we're going to do some things alike. Okay. And the second, the second thing is to understand who is our reference point. And that's, a, that's really important. It's like, what is our reference point? As believers, who is our reference point? Okay. So um, I made this post. What was it? Jeez. I forgot when it was. I think it was like a, probably around, it was 2020. So I forgot when exactly when it was, but it was around that time. And I made this post and it says, worried your beliefs are influenced by the culture. Because I was worried about my friend, just wanting to research that. And I remembered this, um, I remembered this um, verse from when I was younger for, I forget what year, but I just remembered it and it made a really big impression on my heart. Okay. So I'm going to share it with you. Okay. What I wrote on my little post, I said, you know, even a broken clock is correct twice a day. Romans 2, 14 through 27. That explains basically that sometimes, sometimes People who are not believers are reacting the correct way to a situation. And we have to understand and accept that. Sometimes it happens, right? Because honestly, we have to be real with ourselves as believers, right? If we say God created this whole entire planet, created the world, created human beings, that 
a little bit of our creator is going to rub off on people, right? If we're made in God's image, <laughs> we're going to look like our father, right? And God's word actually reflects that. It says this in Romans 2, um, Romans, Romans 2, verses 14 through 27, it says, Indeed, when Gentiles, okay, Gentiles are anyone who's not Jewish, um, Gentiles who do not, do not have the law, but do by nature what the law requires, they are the law to themselves, even though they do not have the law that, Jew, that the Jews had. 15 says, So, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts are either accusing or defending them. And I jump to verse 24, it says, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So when, when, when Jews, when God's people do wrong, when God's people choose the wrong way, you know, Gentiles, non-believers will see that behavior and blaspheme God because of it. Um, and it says for verse 25, it says circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. And okay. So verse 26 says, if a man who does not, who is not circumcised keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? The one who is physically uncircumcised yet keeps the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. And so if that doesn't make any sense to you, I read that too fast or something. Let me give you an example of that. Okay. So if you've, I'm not sure if you're familiar with my story or not, if you don't know um, that I'm calling out my church for the racism and stuff on YouTube um, and other things on my YouTube channel. Um, one of the stories that I tell is about how my church, my elders of my church decided, um, it's like, you know, group of men decided that they were going to deny access, ASL access to the deaf community of Watermark. They decided this, um, even though the deaf community asked for years, for years, asking for, hey, this, we need this access, we need, you know, access, we need to be close to the stage, we need to be, you know, you know we would love to have an interpreter close to the stage. All these reasons that they gave the, the elders for just always petitioning them for years, but the elders kept saying no. And the reasons they gave was, uh, this would be a distraction. And it's like, in telling the deaf community, oh, you don't actually need this. This is not really that necessary. Like you, you're, you should be fine in the balcony. And they're like, no, this is not what we need. We're deaf. We know what we need. You know, just trying to explain, you know, asking them to empathize with their needs. And, um, so I got upset with this because whenever um, I got really upset with this, cause I found this out, you know, when it was happening, well, some of it was happening and, and I was like, what is going on? This is so, it felt so crazy cause it didn't make any sense. And to me, at least, but the elders kept deciding this and kept, kept refusing, refusing access for the deaf community, even though they have the character of Christ as their example, who was known to heal the sick, you know, feed the poor, provide, you know, for people, you know, um, and he, he paid attention to the least of these. Right. And so, you know, God's word did not validate their behavior at all, the elders' behavior. And during that time, 2020, Joe Biden got elected as president. And um, it was announced that they were going to be providing ASL at every single White House briefing. I think it was the first time that was, that's been done. This access for, you know, deaf and hard of hearing individuals so they can be able to participate and listen and listen and, you know, understand what's happening in these White House important press briefings, right? 
I got so mad when I learned that. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? You know, as much as my church says, oh my gosh, the Democrats are so ungodly. And, you know, we should, people should vote for Republicans because they are pro-life and all this stuff. And I got mad because of that. I'm like, well, Jesus's character would have provided access to the deaf people. Why did y'all, knowing what you know about his character, do completely the opposite and deny that access and access that help, right? And knowing that if, if non-believers heard that, they'd be like, who the hell, you know what I mean? Would blaspheme God because of these Christians' behavior who say they're, you know, elders. This is a group of men. So many men said no to this you know, allowed this to happen. They can, had a consensus and the consensus was a dead ass wrong, right? Dead wrong. Right. And so that's very important that, that, that aspect of that failure to recognize a clear and present and actual physical need of people and just disregard it. Right. And then teach all these political messages of this is the right way to do it. But I'm like, well, I mean, for me, I was like, well, the people who you call such ungodly people, the culture the culture provided access where the church would not. Okay. So that's what something that was like kind of that annoyed the crap out of me. And so, so what I saw was like, you know what? Sometimes the culture gets it right. And the Bible, God's word, Romans two says that same thing. Like, yeah, if someone who doesn't have the law, sometimes their conscience speaks beyond, you know, what, what they even know. They're like, this is a need that needs to be met. And I see it and they address it. They were more believers. They were more Christ-like than my elders were. Way more Christ-like in that, especially in that moment. And that really opened my eyes to see that that was possible. And by my church, by my church comparing to the culture and pointing to the culture all the time, always pointing to the culture. The culture does this, so we don't do this. The culture does this. I'm like, sometimes the culture gets it right, so we can't even go by that measure. Like pastors, like that's just the truth. We gotta understand that that's possible. And the Bible says that's possible. And knowing that's possible means that the culture is not a good reference to validate our behavior. Okay. Cause they sometimes get it right. And if they get it right, as they, as they did with the whole deaf ministry thing, and we get it wrong, that's because we've been looking at the wrong, we're looking at the wrong reference point. Okay. So, so the second, so the second slide, I, it's like a sleep three slide thing. And it says, um, I said, even a broken clock is correct twice a day but it is still an unreliable measure of time. Okay. And the, the, the verse that really breaks this down is Galatians six, um, four through seven, but I'm going to start a little bit ahead of that because for context. Okay. For context. Okay. Okay. So Galatians six is written by Paul and um, the heading of it says, um, we harvest what we plant. Okay. And it's starting at um, verse one. Okay. Six verse one says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should be gentle and humbly help that person back to the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and this, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Verse three says, and if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. <laughs> Paul, vague. <laughs> that always gets me. Oh God. <laughs> this little savagery of some of the scripture is like, it's really funny. It's humbling too. It's like, you are not that important. Like, dang. Mm, okay. Anyway, so it says, um, so it says, you are not important. You're not that important. And says, uh, verse four says, pay careful attention to your own work for when, for, 
then you will get satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we each are responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for, for should provide for their teachers, sharing all things, all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful natures will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we'll reap the harvest of blessings if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Okay, so that's the full little passage of that scripture. Okay, all right. And so the answer I found for Christians, for believers about, you know, you know, of being afraid of the culture is influencing your faith is to do what God's word says. It says <laughs> each one should test your own work. Keep your eyes on your own paper. That's what Galatians, so that's what the early church needs to do. And it says specifically, so you don't compare yourself to other people, right? Let's keep your eyes on your own paper. What is our paper? My goodness, it's the Bible. And who is our example as Christians? Who are we supposed to be focusing on? God's word tells us again, the Bible tells us again, it says to fix our eyes on Christ, fix our eyes on Jesus, right? Um, and it's really interesting because if you read, it's like, it's really great. Oh, God, I love God's word so much. <laughs> if you read it, it says, um, Okay. And so in Hebrews 12, it actually addresses this so beautifully, man, it's so beautiful. And I know I'm a Christian nerd for saying that, but it does. It should, there's freedom in understanding who our reference point should be. Okay. And so Hebrews 12, I'm going to start from verse one. It says, and therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off anything that hinders and the sin, which so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, <laughs> perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted the point of shedding your blood. And then um, just because it, because Hebrews 12 starts with um, therefore, which means that there was a continuation of another um, thought. So Hebrews 11 was talking about people of faith who made huge sacrifices um, and how they behaved and how they were just set apart, how their example was God. They didn't look at other people like, you know, Noah, Noah built an ark. Everyone else, the culture, everyone around him was calling him ridiculous, right? But his eyes were fixed on God and God's instructions, Right. So, um, and so it's like, and, and honestly, and what's, what's, what needs to be really said and understood as we stop projecting, projecting our spirituality on our politicians, on our politics, it's not going to work. God will not fit into the box that we make for him. He won't. So trying to say, oh, you know, conservatives are more godly or Jesus is more like a liberal or more like this. Blah, blah, blah. We need to stop, stop looking at the sides and start focusing on Christ. His character is literally in the Bible. It's right in front of us. It's right in front of us. And we need to focus on that. And, and, and no, and Hebrews talks about being entangled, entangled, you know, you know, about entanglement, if you've heard about Will Smith and Jada, you know, entanglement in the affairs of the world. And that's what's happening in my church. 
you know, that's an entanglement because their eyes aren't fixed on Christ's example. Instead, they're looking at the culture and wouldn't be the opposite of that or their preference for, you know, whatever they've been brought up as, as if that's correct, because they all agree about it. Like in my, my church is literally the leadership, especially is a perfect example of how consensus does not equal biblical correctness. It really doesn't. It's because we all agree on something does not mean it's correct. Fix our eyes on Christ. Fix it. Stop looking at each other. Fix it on Christ. That should be our reference point, right? That's the correct reference point for us as believers to have. And sometimes, and which I love about my faith, sometimes it's going to set off. It's going to make me mad. It's going to, we're going to disagree with it. It's not going to sit well with us. It's going to make us uncomfortable. And, you know, it also talks about us struggling up until we're, you know, bleeding. That's how hard it's going to be, you know, to talk about the things and affirm the things of Christ that don't align with what we want. So if you're worried about your beliefs looking like the culture, look at Christ's example on how he fought for the oppressed and what he thought about, of course, life and death, how, how he treated leaders, how he held them accountable, how he treated you know, people who were non-believers and who were new believers and who were under his discipleship. All those things that we should look at in God's character are super important. And I, and I think that a lot of churches are missing the point on that. Um, so yeah, that's it. I'm talking so much, but thank you so much for joining me on this little rant and this little um, tangent. So I hope it was helpful and just like it refocused our mind for what we're here for, you know? And yeah, thanks so much. Have a good one.